into the house of bread. For those of you who are in the house, we greet you. For those who are watching us online, thank you for taking time to be with us this morning. We're so glad because we know that there's so much going on, but you've chosen to be here with us at the house of bread. I'm going to just go straight into the word. I'm going to ask you if you're turning your Bibles to John chapter 17. That's where our message is going to come from today, John chapter 17. And saints in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand with me once you turn to it. And if you're at home, I want you to get paper and pencil. I want you to take some notes down so you just make sure that what we're declaring is the word of God because we want you to be like the church of Berea, that when the service is over, you go back, you search the scriptures and see whether or not those things are so. So this morning, we're going to say John chapter 17. And when you have it, if you'll stand with us. And uh, if you're driving, hold up. Don't stand while you're in the car driving. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Uh, keep your eyes where you're going. But we want to just say, bless the name of God. Amen. As you're coming, as you're blessing God this morning. John chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, the scripture declares, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Thou, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have magnified thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. They have received them and have known securely, surely rather, that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep though, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And thou, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. 
O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and would declare it, that, thou, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Father, we thank you for your message to us today. Father, I pray even now that it is already making inroads into each of our minds, our heart, our spirit. Father, hide me behind the cross and use this vessel for your glory. Holy Spirit, you do the preaching. I will give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Saints, as I looked at what's happening in our world today, so much division, so much animosity, so much hatred, we know that this world cannot continue the way it is and we live the kind of lives that God called us to live. Coronavirus, COVID-19, is reaching an all-time high. Over 100,000 people have gotten sick over this past week alone. Unemployment, people needing food and people needing uh, income to pay their bills. We look at the level of calamity. And on top of that, we've just had a presidential election. And there's been so much casting off of, uh, of snares at one another. And we begin to look at the level of pride, of arrogance, and all of this that is paraded on our TV. Jesus prayed that we might be that we might be one. How do you take the blue states and the red states or the Republicans and the Democrats and begin to say, wait a minute, you need to stop all your drama and begin to focus on what's important that we can begin to work together? That's what our president-elect said. He says, I'm not a president of, the, of one party versus the other. I'm the president-elect of the United States. The world is watching because never has this been played out on the TV screen like this ever before. The level of disparaging, the level of hatred, the level of racial unrest, the level of bigotry, the level of just injustice, and it is not over. And yet through the midst of this, we have a, we have a president-elect who stood to the platform and has declared, we must work together as one, for we are one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Jesus prayed that we might be one. In our text this morning, this prayer that we see, this is really what we call the Lord's Prayer. This is where Jesus himself prayed. I know many of us, we've looked at the prayer in Matthew uh, chapter 11, where we says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Matthew 11, 27, etc. We know at that point, we call that the Lord's Prayer, but that's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, you pray. But here in John chapter 17, this is really the Lord's Prayer, where it is the Lord himself who has prayed. And within these verses, you and I see the things which are so important to Jesus as he's facing the fact that he's soon to be crucified and leave the earth. Notice, today I'm going to just do an expository teaching. In other words, I'm not preaching. I'm going to go verse by verse. Just begin to look at some things here. As we begin to group verses together, I need you to realize the single message that Jesus proclaimed. You see, when the disciples heard Jesus pray this particular prayer, they now began to get a revelation of what was in the mind of Jesus at this point that he was nearing death. So he speaks of a unique opportunity for those who were gathered to recognize 
How does our master pray? And he demonstrated it here in John 17. Jesus says, uh, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the father except the son. And anyone to whom the son will reveal himself. That's Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. So this prayer concern, confirms the testimony of Jesus. Now, what do we call this particular prayer? We call it the high priestly prayer. Because it's here that Jesus is praying as our high priest. The high priestly prayer. Now, there were four words that really summarize the main points of this prayer. The first is glory. The second is security. The third is sanctity. And the fourth is unity. Four things that Jesus prayed for in this prayer. In verses 1 through 5, we see, as you just read through the prayer, Jesus prays for himself. Here he is requesting the Father to grant him the glory that he once had before the world began. I need you to know that the Bible declares that when Jesus, before Jesus came into the world, he emptied himself of all the glory that he had before he came into the world. And so as we begin to look at this prayer, Let's look at how Jesus positioned it. Verse one, number one, these words spake Jesus as he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Notice Jesus' posture. He lifts, lifts up his eyes. In other words, he looks up unto heaven as he prays. Now, this is not an indication that maybe how you and I are praying is wrong. We're just declaring how Jesus prayed. Notice, he lifts, he raises his eyes to heaven, and he begins to pray. Now, most people today, when they pray, they bow their heads. They close their eyes when they pray. But I need you to know, Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he looked into heaven when he prayed. Let me tell you the second thing is that most people today, they pray with their hands folded. They were, or their hands touching. Jesus didn't pray with the, his hands touching. He simply prayed looking unto heaven. So while there are different postures in scripture recorded about how people prayed, in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, we see that Daniel prayed while kneeling. So we find out that there are some today, you kneel when you pray. Daniel prayed that way. In 2 Samuel 7, 18, we find out that David sat while he prayed. You see, he took a seat and he sat before the Lord. He declared, you've brought me this far. 2 Samuel 7, 18. Genesis 18, 22 to 23. Abraham prayed while standing. He prayed with his hands extended standing before the Lord. So it really doesn't matter what position that you take when you're praying. Just know that what's important is what's in your heart. Mm. You see, it is so easy for some of us to bow the knee rather than submit and yield our heart. The Pharisees had this practice of going through the cities and they make these great big overtures or ovations of prayer. They're drawing attention to themselves. They went through the, through the rituals. They wanted everyone to know they were religious. But Matthew 15 and verse 8 declares, You worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Saints, I need you to know that prayer is between you and our Father. It is not for the people on the road with you, the road or the pew behind you. Prayer is an intimate relationship between you and the Father. In other words, it really doesn't matter who else is around. My prayer is for God. That's why we find some people go under such criticism. You prayed like that, you this, that, and the other. Well, I'm sorry, I wasn't praying to you. This prayer was not for you. Uh. 
Jesus says, uh, concerning this compulsion that some people have to be seen and what have you. In Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord if you won't do what I asked you to do? See, we know how to put on the airs. We know how to, to look religious and holy, and we want people to see us, but the prayer relationship is an intimate, private relationship. When Jesus used this prayer, used this relationship, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father. Notice the salutation, Father. You see, here he's directing his prayers to the only one who matters, Father. The only one who should really be the focus of our prayer. Jesus told his disciples as they prayed, he says, our Father who art in heaven. So in other words, Jesus says, focus your prayers to the very one to whom your prayers are directed. Oh, so when Jesus taught those disciples to pray, he took such comfort to show us that we, you and I can talk to our heavenly Father. Oh, Father. And notice that when we pray, we direct it to the Father. Now, I need you to know, the Father knows everything there is to know about you and I. He even knows what our request is before we ask it. So why are we trying to impress him? Oh, most holy and almighty God. God of the universe. Cut your drama and just talk to God. We know what it is. It is the intimate relationship with God. Some of us, we want to get the semantics right as opposed to realizing we're just talking with our Father. Mm. And at that text, he says, Father, the hour is come. Now, when we see this, what we're actually realizing, Jesus says, I've come to the point, Father, that I realize in my prayer I need to yield everything to you because the hour is come. Saints, some of us, we want to beat all around the bush when we're praying and, and we want to tackle this, that, and the other, but there should be a specific purpose while you're here. And realize that God has called you and I to this time for such a time as this to make our declaration. Mm. He says, uh, the hour has come. And it is in this hour we see that he's saying, it's time now that I yield myself to your will. That's what this is all about. I've come to yield myself to your how many times do we pray we're telling God what our will is? And when do, we, when do we come to say, Lord, I yield myself to your will? Jesus is speaking for the very from the very senses, this is why I came into the world. This moment, Father, that I'm about to pray about, this is why I came into the world. And now I'm yielding myself your will. Let me ask you, why are you in the world right now? Why are you still on the planet? What has God ordained and, and set out for you to do and have you accomplished it yet? Too many folks are saying, well, I know God ain't through with me because he ain't took me home yet. So there has to be something else he has for me to do. And yet there are others of us who are looking at, I'm just flying by night by the seat of my pants. Whatever happens, happens. I need you to know God has purpose for each and every last one of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for the, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace, to give you a good and expected end. He says, and you will know this when you seek me with your whole heart. And the reason we don't know why we're here is because we have not sought him with our whole heart. God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, hallelujah. 
you know, when I look and I see those who've gone on, I'm looking at my cousin, I'm remembering her mother. She joined this church and she says, I've come. God has given, he's placed in my heart. I want to do whatever I can to help this church. And she started her little candy ministry right there on the back seat. And many of you all bought her candy bars and she took that money and gave it to the building fund. She says, I can't go out and do all the other things, but I can do what I can. Well, why are you here and what does God want to do through you? Mm. Oh, yielding to the Father's will. You see, it's when we, we, when we delight to do the will of God, that's when we can come into a level of satisfaction and happiness. But so often we fight against the will of God because I don't want God to send me to some backwoods place. I don't want to be in Africa somewhere. I don't want to be. You see, we bring preconceptions to the page, and if God has called you, God has already given you everything you need to accomplish it. Mm. So we're afraid to pray, but uh, those kind of prayers because we think it's going to cost us more than what we're willing to give up. But if you want the Father's happiness and the Father's joy, then you must realize this cost I'm willing to pay as well. That's what Jesus says. The hour has come. I'm ready to do that which you've called me to do. Are you afraid to give up your possessions? Is your pocketbook so tight, your wallet so tight you can't give up a dollar? Except that the that, that president crowd scream out when you pull it out. Something seriously wrong. Huh? You see, if you want God to intervene in your situation, whatever it is, then you must be willing to yield to what the will of God is and no longer your will. Too many of us want to call ourselves praying, but I'm praying what I want. God, give me this. God, do this. God, I need you. And now what we've made is we've made God our errand boy rather than God is our provider. We're looking at his hands rather than looking at his face. Jesus lifted up his eyes and looked into heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Let's talk about our prayers. Our prayers always, God, give me. God, do this. God, go there. God, is it always that you're sending God on some errand? then bottom line, something wrong with your prayers. When do you ever pray, God? Whatever. Whatever you desire. I'm willing to pay. I prayed that prayer years ago after God called me. And it was a very fearful prayer because I did not know literally what that prayer would require. But I came to a point of dying to myself and said, Lord, whatever you want to do, you do it. You see, when you're willing to give of yourself, of whatever, now I can tell you, yes, we don't have all the things that we could have. Why? Because God is using us to be a blessing in so many other ways. But there are too many who have such an abundance and will not give anything. Oh, something is wrong. Mm. Look at the price that Jesus was willing to pay. He knew that that he, that he would soon be betrayed. And, and even he knew that, that, that there would come a time that he would be in the garden and Judas would come and, and he would come with the legion to uh, soldiers or whatever to take him captive. He even knew that Peter, being my brother, would take out his sword and start fighting. Y'all know how we do. But he even prayed, oh, Peter, no, not my will. We got to do this according to the will of God. Put thy sword in thy sheath. The cup which God has given me, I shall drink it. Saint says, sometimes the people want to fight for you because they see what's happening to you. When you have accepted the fact, God, whatever come, I yield. I will drink it. So we begin to look at the objective that God has through the midst. The objective that God has. Notice he said glory. I told you the first word was glory. And Jesus says there at verse 1, glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. You see, the glory of God should be the main motive behind any and everything we do. God, whatever, I exist to give you glory. 
You see, too often when we get in the way, we get pride, we get arrogant, we get puffed up. Everybody see me, everybody look at me, and all attention is on me. Well, God is saying, I share my glory with no one. So we're here that however God uses us, we want to then give the glory to God. You see, there are times that after a message or something that I may have succeeded in, that you, some of you may have come, Pastor, oh, you really blessed us. Pastor, oh, that was good and blah, blah, blah. Have you noticed what I say? Glory to God. Give God the glory. Well, because I'm not going to accept that praise. I'm going to give it right to him. God, if you chose me, then God, I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to give you the glory. You see, the way that you go up is by going down and giving God the glory. And he will lift you up. Oh, hallelujah. That's how you begin to elevate. So Jesus, when he says that concentrate his prayer on the glory of God, God, I want your glory. Uh, he says, in fact, glorify the Son, rather. Now, the whole thing I need you to realize, Jesus came, and he looked at giving God the glory. Notice when he did it. He did it upright up front. He did it before he said, God, do this. God, take me there. God, give me this, whatever. How many times have you prayed and you have failed to give God the glory up front or even give him the glory at all? So often our prayers, God, do this, go there, okay. Done, okay, you got it, God. Okay, I'm going. I got to go to work. I got to go do this. I got to do it. Well, when is the time that we give God the glory? When you and I fail to give God the glory, we are belittling God. It's just like Jesus says in, when he taught those disciples, and uh, when he says, our Father who art in heaven, then he says, hallowed be. That word hallowed means I give you glory. Hallowed, Lord God, everything belongs to you. So notice that Jesus put giving God the glory up front before you start asking God for anything. Give him glory. Give him glory. So I need you to know that when we get to verse 2, there are three words that I need you to look at. Uh, in the uh, New American Standard, these words are gave, given, and give. King James, these, ver these words it says, uh, given, give and given. But I need you to know three words. Three words. Gave, given, give, Jesus says. The first word we look at is God gave the son authority. He says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. You see, God gave the son authority over all flesh. And now we, this kind of raises the question. If Jesus was part of the Trinity, why did he have to be given authority then? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Because if you look at Philippians 2 and 7, it says that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. In other words, Jesus had full authority equal with God the Father in heaven before the world began. He gave it all up and subjected himself to the will of God. And now he says, Father, give me back the glory that I had with thee from the beginning. You see, he, he took it all off. The word of God says, uh, Colossians, that he was, uh, John, brother, he was in the world, and the world knew him not. He created all of this. He was the one, is the one who's all worthy. Oh, so when we begin to see what's taking place, all the glory automatically belongs to him, and he took off his glory that he could identify with you and I and become a man to be born into the world. Imagine that. You created all of this, and you left it all behind to redeem pitiful creatures like you and I. Look at what he gave up, the glory. All the angels in heaven are worshiping him, praising 
that he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, by whom all things were made. He emptied himself of all of that and allowed himself to be born in an earth, born in a world, in a manger, a dirty, low-down manger with the animals. No room in the end. You mean everything in glory praises him, and he allows himself, strips himself of all of that to be born in a low estate in a manger. So I'm sure that there were times that he was hungry. Here, everything caters. Here he put subjected himself to everything. The scriptures say he would be a man born under the law, born by woman. You see, he had to fulfill some things when he came. And so here, the second gift that we see that when he gave, when he says, Father, give unto me, the second thing is we begin to look at he has given him all things. Notice what the Father gives to the Son. He says, uh, thou hast Thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. What has God given him? Us. Us. And because we have been given to him, he now says, I give unto you who believe on me Oh, saints, this is where we get the doctrine, the doctrine of election from. Mm. Ephesians 1 and 4, we see Paul preaches this doctrine that God chose the elect before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. So God looking over all time, he saw you and I. And he says, that's when that, they're going to be saved. They're going to be saved. I, I'm giving. They're going to receive me. God called you the elect before you were even born. And then he gave all of us to his son that none of us should be lost. Oh, saints, that's enough to praise God for right now. Mm. See, when you now begin to look at, like we said, he dividing is president elect meaning that he's been voted in although he hasn't taken the office. You and I have been called the elect. We have already been chosen even though we have not come into eternity with the Father in glory yet, but we have been given eternal life when we received his son, the elect. Oh, now when he calls us the elect, there are five blessings that have been bestowed unto us. Number one, he gives us as the elect eternal life. Notice it says that I will give them eternal life. The right to give eternal life. You see, we can live in this world in the present and look forward to eternity. All people will have eternal life, but all people will not have eternal life with God. Oh, let me set the record now. So with those of us who believe in, were we all God's children? Jesus says, oh, no, I did not pray for them who are in the world. I'm praying for mine who have received me. I'm praying, Father, that you will be with them while they're in the world. So Jesus makes the distinction in this prayer. And so he also makes the distinction that God gives everyone eternal life. But for some, eternal life will be totally in hell and destruction and pain for all eternity. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for eternal life in Jesus Christ. The scripture says, he who hath the Son hath life. And that life that you have right now is eternal life. The moment you receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, you receive eternal life at that very moment. You don't have to wait. Are you going to heaven? I hope so. Oh, no. 
Are you going to heaven? I'm already in heaven. I'll just take this off, put this in the ground, and I'm going on to glory right there with the Lord forever. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. The second blessing that we have when, when Jesus has called us the elect is that we now have knowledge of God. If you notice here, I'm going down to verse 6 and 7. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Oh, you see, as lost people, when we come to God and we have received the word of God, then it is there that we have been given the knowledge of God. When you are a son of God, you not only know the Father, but you know him personally. Ah, now we can cry, Abba, Daddy, Abba. Ah. Let me move on. The third blessing is that called intercession. Why? Because when you are a child of God and Jesus is your high priest, he begins to intercede for you and I. Oh, he prays for us. He prays for every last one of us. Amen. John 14 and 6, he declares to everyone, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Let me tell you the fourth lesson that you have when you receive Jesus is that you receive divine protection in this world. If you ever realize the number of things that, were, that almost took you out of this world, the number of things that directed, and you still here, is because God has given you divine protection. He's kept you from dangers seen and unseen. Oh, hallelujah. The divine protection that God has given us. But this protection is even more than the physical. This protection is he's put his Holy Spirit to indwell us. He put his word uh, to, to be in our hand as a God. And he put his son, Jesus, as our intercessor. Now, if you got God on your side, who can be against you? Hmm. This fifth blessing is called eternal glory. You see, Jesus gives us total assurance that one day we will see him in heaven, even as he is. When all heaven is bowing down before him, you and I will be there bowing down before him in our new robes. When we're there just glory and praising God, he is the one who gives us an eternal glory that it never will end. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. But notice he gives uh, eternal life to those who are given to him. Do you realize the only way that you came to God, the only way you came to Jesus is that the Holy Spirit drew you. And you then answered the call and gave your heart to God. No man comes to the Father except that the Spirit draws him. That tugging. Maybe you're watching right now on, on, on the, on, online. Maybe you're watching, and you sense this tugging right now. I need to get closer to God. I need to know God. I sense this moving. There's something happening in me, this burning sensation, whatever it is. It's the tugging of the Holy Spirit that said, now is the day, now is the hour. You need to come to God right now. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. You see, eternal life is more than everlasting life because I need you to know eternal life is not the quantity of time, but it is the quality of our life when we get in glory. That's the difference. Oh, hallelujah. It is the quality of the life we live forever being with the Father. Oh, so when we begin to see what Jesus is praying about, Verse number three, he says, and this life, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, when you begin to focus on eternal life, uh, don't let me mess none of you up, but I'm going to let you know Buddha can't give it to you. The prophet can't give it to you. 
There's only one empty tomb, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life is in no other name except at the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Eternal life is only in his Son, and as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believe on his name. Mm. Uh, notice that the word he said to know that they might know now this word know in the Old Testament it referred to intimate relations between a man and a woman Adam knew his wife that's what know meant but this word in the New Testament takes on a different connotation it refers to our experience in other words if you not walking talking living walking with working with God you have no experience you can't talk about what your head has heard your ears have heard you got to begin to deal with him on a personal level and experience him that's why he says in that day he will say to some depart from me ye workers of iniquity because I never knew you. You and I have the greatest opportunity to know him now. To experience him now. Mm. In verses 4 and 5, Jesus talked about before the world was. The glory that I had before the world was. And we've already declared some of that. And so we're moving on. And so that's verses 6 through 8 we'll begin to look at. He prays this priestly prayer for himself. Now he's about to focus his prayer on his disciples. Verses 6 to 12, you find out that he's praying for his disciples. Notice when we get to verse 13, he begins to talk about, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Oh, here is the creator saying to the creature, I'm going to give you joy unspeakable, full of glory. There will be something that when everybody else is overwhelmed by their circumstances, there is something that still keeps you moving, ticking, believing, trusting, moving on, and you refuse to get up. When people are saying, how is it that you're still laughing? Because God has placed a joy in the midst. Oh, no matter how bad it's going, somehow you now begin to receive a joy that can only be revealed through Jesus Christ. Uh, you see, as we begin to look at this, God's word at this point, it, his word does three things. First and foremost, it, it reveals Christ to us. Mm. You see, when Jesus began to talk in Luke 24, 27, with those, uh, he begins to talk in concerning, he says, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all things concerning himself in the scripture. In other words, you've been studying the scripture, but you didn't realize that these are they which testify of me. Oh, Everything that the Bible has been declaring has been testifying of Jesus. From Genesis where it says that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. God was promising that a virgin woman would bring forth a child. It's the seed of a woman and not the seed of a man. From that moment, from Genesis throughout all 66 books, Jesus saying, these are they that testify of me. Oh, hallelujah. Have you seen them yet? Have you experienced him yet? Uh, when we get to verses 9 through 12, I need you to know Jesus is praying for us. He's praying, Father, mm, I thank you that you always answer my prayers. Oh, oh, hallelujah. And now, verse 13, and now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled. I have given them that word, and the world has hated them. Because they're not of the world. I need you to know. Jesus has prayed that you and I. Will be sustained. Father. When you know that Jesus is praying for you. And when you know that the father hears what Jesus prays. When you know that Jesus and the father are on the same page. And he's praying for you. 
then you realize, according to Isaiah, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. When you realize that God is, that the Lord is fighting for you, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's praying for you. I need you to know, while you are going through whatever it is, the great news is that the Father always answers the prayers of the Son. And if the Son is praying for me, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being my high priest and interceding for me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we're going to get ready to wrap this because the last part of this prayer is Jesus prays for unity in the church. Our world is going through such division. And when I looked at some of the clips on YouTube or whatever where some of our religious leaders have made these bold statements and all this, God told me, and they even got a chant and, and this and the other, it is like you have just been bamboozled by the enemy. How can you call something wrong right because it fits what you want? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I don't care how much perfume you spray on it and how many Bibles you put around it. If it stinks, it still stinks, and that's what it is. It's an abomination in the sight of God that we would use this pulpit to begin to declare on a political level what people should do because it's what we think and what we want. Oh, saints. I was looking at one yesterday. My wife was it turned to it and the one and it's like a, somebody walking back and forth behind her. I'm not gonna call her name. Maybe you looked at this and got a chant going, and the and and the and the windows are coming down and the, and they got and now they got the people doing the little dance to Michael Jackson behind all this. Y'all know how they do. How is it that we're gonna make a mockery of what God has given us? God is giving to you and I not to follow the world, but to declare to the world, we are following God. We're not following political parties. We're following God. We're not following man. We're following the will of God. So Jesus prayed for unity in the church. Notice he says that this word holy, when he calls Father, holy Father, holy separates him from everything else. He is holy. And when he calls you and I holy, that means we're sanctified, meaning we're set apart. Oh, hallelujah. When we begin to look at this, he provides us with a joy in the absence. When we don't even see it and where there's sorrow, he puts joy right there. But when we're focusing on the level of sanctification that he brings, realize that we are so because we've separated ourselves from the world. Yes, we're living in the world. Notice Jesus didn't say, Father, take them out of the world. He said, Father, I pray that you will be with them while they're in the world. So why does he have us in the world right now with so much going on? Because the world needs to see ambassadors rise up. Needs to see light bearers rise up. We should not look like everybody, act like everybody else. The church is so much trying to be like the world. We have been called to stand apart and stand out that the world will see that we're cities set up on a hill. We're light that has been placed on a barrel, on a bushel. We have been called to be that which God has called us to be that the world may see and know the Lord Jesus Christ. But how are they going to see it when we're doing every kind of dance and, and smoking everything and living every and talking every way and whatever like the world? Oh, that's just, I do that on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, it's just me. Well, something wrong with just me if you've been bought with a price. Something is seriously wrong. When Jesus came into my life, he changed my conversation. He changed the things that I gravitated before. And now I've been bought, sold, now I belong to him. Do I still have some failures? Yes, but he's still working in the midst. Oh. Mm. Oh. So when we get to verse 20, Jesus is praying for unity in the church. He's declaring, Father, make them one, even as we are one. 
You see, one of the hardest things to do is get two people on the same page. We've allowed every kind of thing to get in the midst. Some of us are straining at a, straining at a net pointing to a, a, a beam at this point. The word of God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So while you're spending all day pointing out my faults, you need to begin to look at yours. There is none righteous. No, not one. So the Lord is saying, I'm calling you to myself to be one. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He says at this point, I will say, come ye blessed of the Lord. Enter into that which I have prepared for you for all eternity. So in other words, we got to cut some things loose that separate and divide us. Now, I know I'm talking to church folks while I'm in the house. I don't know who I'm talking to while you're on the camera. But let me tell you, some of us got a problem loving one another. Jesus says, how dare you say you love me who you don't see and you hate your brother who you do see? How can you say that you love God at this point? He's trying to get us all on the same page, same page. Then he says to some of us, you know, we got that ministry of that mouth. He said, be slow to speak. How is it I can't get no words out? Because every time I start talking, you talking over me. Something's seriously wrong. And no matter how much you talk, you're still wrong. If you don't have any regard to the fact that, hey, I'm a person just like you. You got to learn how to be slow to speak. Mm -hmm. Some of us, we say, yeah, we church folks, but hey, look, I heard they got this, uh, uh, they got this hot stuff, and they got this, uh, uh, I can, uh, we can, uh, look, nobody home, we can get over on them, we can do this, and we're working out every kind of game, plan, scheme, and everything that the world works on. We can't live like that. Word of God says, let your yay be yay, and your nay be nay. You've been bought with the price, and therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. Be not entangled with the same yoke of bondage. If he came to set us free, why are we returning right back to the same beggarly elements that entrapped us from the beginning? Uh-huh. What I look like God delivered me from, from drugs, and, I'm, and the next week I'm going right back in. Uh -uh. If I've been really delivered, then I'm saying, God, keep your hand on me and help me to walk that I no longer serve those appetites. Mm. You see this thing of what he came to set the captive free. He came to make the body one. Now, in order for the body to be one, we got to have fellowship. Now, fellowship were two words that were literally joined together. Fellows in a ship. Fellowship. Meaning they all had to learn how to work together. Now, Y'all, many of you all know that uh, I've had a music uh, background for ever since the fourth grade. I've been in music. In fact, my grandmother taught piano lessons to me when I was six years old. But bottom line is, one thing, I have a keen ear for music. And it bothers me to no end when I hear music done wrong. Now, I need you to know this word of a fellowship, this word of working together, it literally means that now we got to now get take, take the rough ends off, begin to be open to when there's some, some things that will help us to get better. But if you're going to tell me I'm going to sing the way I want to sing, I'm going to say then you can't sing with me. You need to sing by yourself. Why? Because in this fellowship we're creating harmony. That means that these things blend together. They blend together. They work together. And they create a bigger, better picture. Oh, when it works together. Well, if it works like that with music, don't you know how it works when the saints of God can learn how to work with each other, overlooking each other's faults and beginning to work together and find a common ground that we can start from working together. And by working together, then maybe we're now able to forgive each other for those other things and find when we find the things we can work together in. 
But as long as you keep running to your position and I run to mine, we'll never come to a point of agreement. Fellowship, unity in the church, unity in the body. So if we all trust in the same Lord and Savior, why can't we trust each other? You see, to have unity means we got to have fellowship. In other words, we got to learn how to get along. President-elect Joe Biden says, now comes a hard part. You've elected, now it's time to do the work. You see, you've heard the message, now it's time to live according to what you've heard. This is the hard part. This is not the easy part, this is the hard part. So, you got to realize that in this Jesus affirmed the righteousness of the Father and all that the Son has done in the world to set the captive free. But it's up to you to decide you want to live according to it. The church working together. It's not about I don't like this one and I don't like that one. It don't matter. Because when you realize that God has made us all. And I'm sorry he didn't make you the boss of me. Because he is the one I answer to. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He need to do that. She need to act like, no, you're not the boss of me. I was an individual before you came along. And God is still working in me. So in other words, we got to learn how to tone some stuff down. The scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And one of the ways that God gets rid of some of our rough places is to put us around people who are just as rough as we are. So that when we rub together, we'll smooth each other out. Oh, hallelujah. He wants the body to be unified. One group of believers. He wants people to love at all times. Can I ask you to do something? Just stand up with me. You at home, uh, I'm going to ask you if you're just, if they're in the house with somebody else. I'm going to ask you if you'll just do this exercise with me. Say, Lord, I love you. I'm yours. Whatever you say to me, I'm going to do it. I want you to think about what you just said. I want you to think about what you just said. Think about it. Think about it. Now, now that you thought about it, if you want to say it again with me, you say it. Lord, I love you. And all that you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Now, God is saying some things to some people. I don't need to say anything. You've already heard what God says. You've already heard it at this point. If there are faults and problems between you and someone, I believe if you love God like you say you do, you'll get it straight. The word of God says love keeps no record of wrongs. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I don't know about you, but nobody here sinned more than me. I know I'm the biggest sinner there is. So if God can forgive me, don't you know he'll forgive you? And if he'll forgive you, don't you know he'll forgive those who hurt you, those who wounded you? But you got to put forth the step and say, I forgive them. I forgive. I forgive. Right now, relationships, whatever they may be, if you want the right relationship, it may mean that we both have to die. Yourself. Both got to die. Yes, I admit I've done wrong. I don't have to go through the whole litany. Honey, come on up here. Come on up here with me. Mm-hmm. You see, it is in all of this that we got to remember we're not in this alone. God has made us community, He's made us family. Come on, you don't have to act like you're scared. Come on up here. Let, let the people on camera see you, my boo thing. <laughs> uh, so if y'all didn't know, this is the one who took me. That's right. I was still a baby, had milk on my breath, 
when she started talking to me. <laughs> but you got to learn how to talk to one another. You got to learn how to look past each other's faults. You got to learn how to know you don't have all the answers. <laughs> you got to learn how to realize <laughs> Y'all pray for me. <laughs> you see, God can let healing take place so easily that you're able to start laughing. Now, my wife will tell you, when she gets this thing with me and I get this thing with her, I'll start messing with her. Leave me alone, leave me alone. I'm going to keep picking. And I'm going to sell some jokes and I'm going to do whatever. And before you know it, she's laughing and she's kind of, uh-uh, I'm not going to kiss her. Don't kiss me. I said, girl, you know you won't kiss. Huh? You see, it is all about, come on up here, act like this. Don't act like you're scared. It's all about wisdom. It's all about letting the gifts of God work in you. Now, you're telling me whatever it is that separates you from me, you mean it is so big that you can't forgive me? Don't you know God says if you forgive me not, neither will he forgive you. Is that what the word of God said? So you got to learn how to stop keeping an account of wrongs. And now begin to gravitate to the love of God that has been poured out toward you and I. This is what unity is all about. This is what unity is all about. Now, I will admit that there's some of us that it is, it's better that you stay over there and I'm over here because uh, we ain't going to, there's too much friction here. But I need you to know that after a period of time, I believe God can even heal to where we. Huh? Is that right? Yes, God can heal that. But you have to be willing to die to yourself. Realize you're not always right. Mm -hmm. Men, let me tell you, sometimes we're wrong. Huh? Uh-huh. Ladies, remember, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> so we got to learn how to work this thing together. That's what this healing is all about. Let's look to the throne of grace. Father, we thank you for everything that we've heard. And we know that you're in the midst healing our relationships. Father, I'm praying for healing for financial storms that people are in. I'm asking, Lord God, for healing for those who are sick and infirm, those with COVID-19 or those in the hospital or those, Lord God, who are going through any challenges, whether they be physical, mental, Lord God, emotional, Lord God. I'm praying for the healing of our souls, Lord God, because there is a hole in our soul. And so, Father, only you can heal it. So, Father, you came to make us one. You came to make us one. So, Father, heal your people. People, receive your healing. In the precious name of Jesus. Now, just say, I got it. Yes, come on. I got it. I got it. I received my healing. Only you know what it is. I received my healing. Nobody needs to know what it is. I have received my healing. Lord, I thank you. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise, Lord God. Glory to your name. See, that's good enough for somebody, but that ain't good enough for God. If you knew what God did for me, you would praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I have received it right now. I receive right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, for those of you who are watching this on air, we hope that something's been said to encourage you. Why don't you go to our website and click on that Tithe Leads uh, uh, app that will allow you to give or Cash app that allow you to give freely to this ministry. We want you to know beyond a shadow of doubt that this ministry is a ministry that seeks to glorify God. And as you glorify God, I want you to know beyond a shadow of doubt that God will, in fact, give back to you 30, 60, and 100 fold. The word of God says in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Will God give a, cause men to give unto your bosom? And notice he says, with the same measure that you give, so shall it be measured back unto you. We're not asking you to give under compulsion. We want people to freely give. And if you don't have, I'm just praying right now, Father, open up the windows of heaven. 
Father, for those who are in need right now, Father, I pray, bring the blessing, financial blessing, Lord, bring the blessing that they'll be able, Lord God, to give and to do what you've called them to do. Amen. Now, last thing I want to let you know, I love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. Hallelujah.